WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week, our guest is the co host of the Battle of the Atom podcast and the founder and publisher of the website that, up until a few days ago, was known as XavierFiles.com, but now goes by ComicsXF, Zach Jenkins. Welcome to the show, boss. Hey. Hey, how we doing, Dan, Matt? Am I publisher now? Is that what we're calling it? I've just kind of been making up titles as I go along. <laughs> Chairman Emeritus, um, you know. Whatever works. Whatever yeah. works. But yeah, no, I'm excited to be here. I think this is the, uh, actually, I know this is the first time I have been on WMQ&A. So that, this, will be, uh, this will be a fun one. It will. Uh, so for people who don't know, uh, Xavier Files, the site that's been hosting this podcast, uh, and mine and Matt's writing since July, transformed on January 1st to ComicsXF to reflect the fact that the site has evolved massively over the past year to cover more than just X-Men. Uh, you know, as we're recording this, um, the Monday before, the site is still a few days from launching anew. Um, mm-hmm. You gave a bunch of us writers a sneak peek a couple nights ago. It looks amazing. Um, how are you feeling knowing what you're about to unleash on the world? So it's a mix of terrified that somehow we're going to break a website, which wouldn't be great. Uh, but also incredibly excited uh, on a couple of different fronts. One, the entire staff uh, behind Comics XF has been very energized by this relaunch. There's a lot of fun, cool things that we are doing uh, surrounding it uh, and especially getting a larger focus on things. Cause you know, the website, the URL got bought because I had been doing blogs about X-Men in my spare time uh, at my kitchen table, uh, like five years ago. And over the last year, as we've started to bring more people in and especially as we brought in uh, the WQ or WMQ guys, uh, we've expanded what we cover and what we focus on and just what we talk about. And here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that discussions about Giga get as much attention as people talking about the latest, hottest things that are going on in Wolverine's neck of the woods. That's just not the audience we had cultivated previously, but we enjoy it. And that's the kind of stuff that we want to highlight. Marvel doesn't need my help or your help, or Matt's help, saying, hey, guys, have you heard about, you know, X-Men? They're pretty neat. They don't need that. But there are creators who are doing fantastic work at some of the smaller publishers like Vault and Aftershock and TKO that are doing stuff that I want to highlight. I want to talk about it because I'm excited about it. So I'm I'm thrilled that this will give us an opportunity to signal to the world, hey, we've already been doing this for a little bit, but now, like you know, this is what we're covering. This is what we're about, and it's going to be exciting. I am I am pumped about what's uh what's coming next here. Absolutely, um, let's let let's go back in time. Uh, you know, as, as we're as we're talking here. Thank you for that. <laughs> now, um, you know, what comics were you reading when you started reading comics? That's a, that's a question and a half. So I think like <laughs> a lot of people, I don't know if it's like a lot of people, but like a lot of me, uh, I didn't read a ton of comics. I 
came up in an era where like we passed around the ultimate spider-man and ultimate x-men like those first couple of trade paperbacks that you could it seemed like they were everywhere mm-hmm. I, those came out when i was like in fourth or fifth grade uh if that's dating myself so like i was the perfect age to be like hey spider-man's cool you should check him out and like it was it was a great entry point and like i was always interested in that stuff i had you know bunch of x-men and spider-man and batman action figures when i was a young person uh and i had but i didn't have a lot of comics i had a few like one-off issues that we found at garage sales or something Mm -hmm. uh one of them was one of the pizza hut x-men issues uh it was number three it's the one with uh gambit and rogue oh no not gambit and rogue uh beast and who's beast with is it storm they're on Muir Island, and mm. someone attacks. Magneto attacks them, I think. I forget. I need to reread that one. Uh, it's wild, but I had like that a, a couple of weird issues. Like I have Silver Surfer fifty uh, that leads into the Infinity Gauntlet. I didn't know what the context was. I thought it was a really cool silver cover, and that this Rock Man that apparently will be in the biggest motion picture of all time. He seemed kind of weird, but whatever. I like I like this Surfer guy, uh, but I. I had a couple of those, uh, and then I had the uh, Claremont Essential uh, X-Men. I had all the way up through the start of the Brood Saga. So I had, like, a good chunk of, like, that classic stuff, and I read that cover to cover to the point where my copy of the Dark Phoenix one, like, the cover is staying on by willpower and how hard I can push it up to the spine as I'm reading it, not by any sort of glue or fastener or any any of those. So those were those were foundational for me. But the biggest thing was uh, DK put out these ultimate guides to X-Men and Spider-Man. And they were visual encyclopedias of these characters up until about 2000-ish. Mm-hmm. And I read those constantly. I remember quizzing my dad and my poor sister about, hey, guys, did you know this fact about Spider-Man? Did you know this about Maggot, this X-Men? There's... So many weird little things that like were essential in that. And I just ate it up because I was, I was an encyclopedia kid. Like before I started reading comics, I found out about Wikipedia and read summaries of comics on Wikipedia. Cause I was like, this sounds really neat, but I don't know how to read house of M. I don't know how to acquire such a thing. So I guess I will read this Wikipedia summary because this will tell me what's going on in comics. They sound wild. Uh, but then eventually I got a, uh, I got a subscription uh, through Marvel's mail-in thing when they relaunched Uncanny X-Men uh, for the first time. Uh, and then went from that, got a couple of trades of the Fraction AHA Hawkeye, which blew my mind. Uh, I just reread it like two weeks ago. Here's the thing. That comic's still incredibly good. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, I, was, I was right to get into it with that. Uh, and that, that just started getting me going monthly. I, I started going full st- steam with the bendis era of uh x-men and have kind of just been going from there uh started picking up trades at the library uh i abused my college's interlibrary loan program to get omnibuses of like daredevil and stuff uh i just i i read as much as i possibly could because once i got bit by like oh this is what comics were and i had disposable income i was able to like 
acquire as much as I could. And then I found out about Marvel Unlimited and then, you know, like it was out of there. Uh, I just decided I'm going to read whatever I feel like at all times. Uh, so it, it grew progressively, uh, but like eh, comics and especially Marvel superhero as a genre, if you want to call it that, was always like foundational in inside of me. I just couldn't figure out the way to read comics. And then once I found out how to read comics, I read a lot of comics, too many comics. I, I mean, I would say even before I started reading comics, I had like the trading cards, I guess, would be like the DK uh, oh, yeah. guidebooks for, for me. Um, you know, Marvel Universe Series 1 and 2, that kind of stuff. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I, I think this does something that I've noticed with a lot of the people we've talked to who are now creators, the idea of the jumping on point issue is vastly overrated. It's a myth. It really is because I mean, you, you said silver surfer 50, which is, I also believe, I think the first silver surfer I read and yeah, because it had that pretty cover and it's got, it's got a good cover. It's literally, it's not in this room. It's on my wall over there because I was like, yeah, this copy rules. I'm going to put it in a bad frame from the dollar tree. <laughs> but I mean, your first X-Men, Dan, was what, 20? X-Men, number, X-Men Volume 2, number 20. So it was the one where the other Psylocke yeah. uh, reveals herself. And yeah, you posted that the other day, and it's like, oh, Dan, that's a, that's a rough one to jump into. Isn't it, though? Because here's me coming in from the cartoon, and I'm like, oh, there's two Psylocks? Oh, there's a character named Psylocke? What's She's not that? in the cartoon. You know, and then I would just go to Matt. Matt, explain this to me. Yeah. And, and I had started within a month. They were probably the same months within weeks of each other with uh, Uncanny 279. So the middle part of the Muir Island saga and New Mutants 100, which, oh boy, that made no sense. No, I mean you picked bad ones, and that's that's rough on. I'll, I'll say, I'm of I'm of two minds about the jumping on point. I think there's, I think, at a time, like you just had to run with it, and if you have that right mentality to say, hey, I can accept that I don't know everything, but I want to know everything. Like comics are going to be perfect for you. You're going to be fine. You're going to jump in at a certain point and not worry about it. However, with the way that like we have been trained to consume media nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's very much a completionist mindset because it's all there. So why not start on issue one instead of picking up whatever episode of Frasier happened to be airing that night and just <laughs> running from there. That all changed with stuff like 24 and lost on TV and the Sopranos mm-hmm. and things in the early two thousands that really kickstarted a appointment viewing approach to television which spiraled out into all sorts of other media and even now i i would struggle like we just started on the site covering uh department of truth uh by james tenney and the fourth and it sounds exactly like my jam but here's the thing it's already four issues in and i'm not going to just pick up number five like i'm not just going to run with it i have to pick it up and just run from the beginning or wait for the trade or what have you so to me, it's like I I know that I just gotta I just gotta pick it up and go with it. I have to I have to figure out where it started with and just get myself caught up. I just 
over the last two months got caught up on the last 35 years of Asagi Yojimbo because I was like, well, I keep hearing this comic's pretty good. I should probably catch, okay, it started in 1984, but I've got, I've got some time to get going. And it's great, and there's not a bad issue. But <laughs> I, uh, you know, so that I could read number 16 that's coming out in January, I had to read the other 200 issues or what have you. I, you know, I decided to, okay, I'm going to start reading the current IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hello, giant IDW hardcovers. Because I can't be like, okay, issue 101 was supposed to be a good jumping on point with a whole new era. Nope, got to start with the big hardcovers from the beginning. I was very conf- I I read 101 because I was like, okay, I like Sophie Campbell. I want to see where it's going. And I loved her work on it. I thought it was great. And the entire time I thought... Yeah, I know about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because, again, I'm, I'm alive. <laughs> but, like, there's a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that definitely is important going into this. And I, I can't knowingly ignore that that exists. Mm-hmm. So a, a funny thing about all three of us is that at some point in our lives, we each decided to create a comics website. Uh, Matt made the Matt Signal in 2012. You started Xavier Files in 2016. I made WMQ Comics in 2018 based off a comics blog that I had started at my day job in 2015. Um, what was your initial goal going into Xavier Files and, and how did that change over time? That's a great question. Uh, so in 2016, I was really bored and really cocky and was listening to a lot of comics podcasts and be like, okay, well, I don't want to do a podcast, you fool. I want to, uh, I'll just write about it. I haven't written anything uh, creatively or otherwise since uh, senior year of college or high school, but how hard could it be? I can figure this out. And they're still on the site and they're bad that I wrote very quickly. I wrote I wrote a piece about Rachel Summers summing up, summing up her whole history. And then immediately after that, a piece of Glob Herman, because even five years ago, I was just like, I was whole cloth, the same person that I am, uh, all the warts and everything. And I, I was inspired by stuff like uh, what Jan Miles were doing on Explain the X-Men as a podcast, uh, the stuff that Chris Sims and Matt Wilson were doing with War Rocket Ajax. I wanted to bring some of those elements into a website that I decided in all of my hubris to just make. And I posted the articles and they started to take off. And then I wrote something about uh, magic that I was actually like proud of. Like I did a few of them. I was like, hold on. I got something here. This one's, this one's not bad. And I'm never reading it again. Cause I don't want that feeling taken away from me. Uh, but I thought that piece was good. So I just kept doing more and more. And then I bought a URL and things spun out of control because I was posting them to a Reddit site and people were actually clicking on it and interacting with it and engaging with it. And I loved the sense of like a community that got built around this weird, obscure facts fandom about X-Men. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I want to keep doing this. And then again, in all of my hubris, I said, oh, interview. They have this X-Men 29 or 92 book coming out. I guess I'll, I'll interview them about that. I'll shoot a, 
email, see what happens. And then they responded and then they said, oh yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, loop Marvel into this. And I said, oh, like the company. Yeah, that logical for them to do that. Uh, and then I just started getting contacts within there and then started doing Marvel stuff. And then was doing that as a website for a while. Uh, started the podcast uh, with my co-host Adam Reck, Battle of the Atom. Uh, where we read three different X-Men comics every week and rank them on a big list from best to worst comics of all time, a bit that we wholesale stole from War Rocket Ajax because, again, I am just discount diet, diet soda Chris Sims most of the time. Uh, but that that really kind of took off, and another community started getting built around there. I started meeting people on Twitter and through some Discord servers that I was a part of. Uh and then a couple of couple of buds, uh, Chris Edelman and Robert Secundus, uh, were talking to me as uh, House of X and Powers of Ten were announced. They're like, "Hey, we'd like to uh, write about this." And they both separately came in and said, "We kind of have these ideas," and they more or less had the same pitch to me about uh, doing it similar to the annotations that like David Uzumeri used to do for Comics Alliance uh, back with Grant Morrison stuff. And I said, screw it. Yeah, let's do that. I don't care. I'll edit this. <laughs> and then we got lucky. We got very lucky in that uh, a, uh, we, got, we got recommended to one of the editors at Polygon about, hey, you should, uh, you should have these guys just do your Hawksbox content. Uh, and that expanded our, our audience pretty significantly and forced us to actually treat it like a job because they were giving us some money. And we enjoyed it. We liked the community. We liked that on Monday when we got the uh, issues, we could freak out in a private DM, be like, oh my gosh, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, what's going on? Why is Gold Balls part of the essential? Uh, uh, mutant hierarchy that makes a perpetual resurrection machine like we couldn't we couldn't wrap our minds around how cool that sense of community was and we decided shoot let's expand this let's let's bring more people in let's cover other books and we did that we started bringing more and more people in uh and then we didn't stop growing in terms of what we wanted to do we thought, okay, let's start small. Let's cover one book at a time. And then it became, well, I also want to cover this. I also want to cover that. I'd love to talk about this with this person. Uh, and then it got really big. And then it got too big for me to handle and I freaked out. Uh, and then I decided, well, maybe I should make it even bigger. And then I said, hey, Dan, you write a good, you got a good website there. Would be, it would be a shame if someone uh, paid for the URL. <laughs> and then I brought uh you and matt and will nevin in uh and now we're just we're just doing exactly what we were doing just more and bigger because again there's so much more stuff going on and it's it's weird because i mean if you guys you guys been involved in comics blogging and all this stuff you know that it's a weird scene like you're mostly <laughs> especially when it's smaller there's sometimes you are pretty much writing for other people who write about comics. Like that's your audience is other people who also have a comics blog. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's a weird thing to do solo. It was weird for me to do by myself. Uh, but bringing in other people like gave, 
gave me an identity and a sense of purpose for the site. Like, oh, we can like just be a cool community of folks who are screaming about comics and excited in the same general direction of things and maybe try and take some of that energy and push it towards all other comic stuff and see what happens. And so far, I think this weird grand experiment has turned out pretty good. Like I know I've shared with uh, you, Dan, I done some uh, analytics stuff and looking through rankings of the site and we're for doing this the way we have for about a year. Mm-hmm. We're not doing too bad. We're, we're beating some, we are, we are doing better than some names that would be recognizable uh, in the same space. So I'm very, very proud of what we have built. I'm proud for my small part in fostering it. And I am more than thrilled to see where this goes next. Cause even, even, you know, after the rebrand, we have a lot of cool stuff in the works, a lot of cool people who could be joining and talking about stuff, a lot of fun things set up and, Here's the thing. I'm still having fun doing it. It's work sometimes, but it's enjoyable. I get to I get to write whatever I feel like about comics, and then people are like, "Yeah, this is a good opinion that he has because there is a .dot com after his name." <laughs> yeah, I no, I, I never trust those opinions that come from like .dot net or .dot edu uh, comics. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you get a you get a oh, this is comicopinion.wordpress.com. Forget about it. You got to pony up to $12 a year to get an actual URL and then your opinion can matter. <laughs> Damn Skippy. <laughs> uh, what, what was one of the first moments where you saw what you were doing at Xavier Files and were like, oh, this could be, this could be bigger? I, I, wrote a, I wrote a thing back uh, maybe 2017-ish. I don't remember. Time's weird. But it is, it's so weird, but I was, I was in the, I was in the depths of my, uh, I was doing an MBA program uh, for my day job so that I could have a better day job. Uh, so I was doing a lot of stuff about business analysis and things like that. And this was at the same time as uh, the Inhumans versus X-Men stuff was going on or, you know, the big grand conspiracy theory <laughs> about what was happening, which I think were less actual conspiracy and more let's, let's look at things from a business standpoint and make decisions on how we allocate resources and who gets the most resources versus who we're not pushing. But that's a whole different thing. And believe me, it's in my to-do pages of getting to the bottom of that one. <laughs> uh, but I wrote, I wrote a thing about, hey, let's forget, forget all of the emotions, forget all the things. Let's look at the numbers here and see what, what is going on with these books, what's happening just like let's just look at some graphs in some charts and see what happens and that got a lot of reaction uh because anything about x-men and inhumans got a lot of reaction from people uh but i realized i had tapped into like this big energy that was going on it's like okay there can be there can be something that goes on here uh and i i started playing with that but i was still flying solo until we started bringing in a few other people, I think most, you know, beyond, beyond bringing in Adam, uh, cause he was already getting, uh, he did a comic called Bish and Jubes, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. And is one of my favorite X-Men comics. Uh, he's not going to listen to this, so he doesn't have to hear me say nice things about him. Uh, but it's great and fantastic. And he's an amazing cartoonist. Uh, but 
you know, him and I had collaborated on Battle of the Atom, and I enjoyed that. Uh, but then when, uh, honestly, it's probably when Robert Secundus pitched me a insanely dumb article about a joke that I had made on about the Draco, which was, could Nightcrawler say a red mass on Mars? Uh, which, again, a lot of... There's a lot of weird in-jokes into that specific joke, including other articles that I wrote. So let's not pretend like it was funny for anyone except for like four people. But those four people loved the joke so much. I was like, oh, wait, wait. There's people paying attention to like in-jokes now. That's something, right? That's, that's something that I can tap into. And then I did because apparently all my friends were talented uh, and I could just bring them in and have them do a comics website. And that's what we did. Uh, actually, you know what? Let me take all that back. It's when everyone on the internet decided that we would mark our X-Men spoilers uh, just unanimously after one day and made everything easier on people. That's exactly when I realized there was an actual community here. That's what it was. There, there's, there's power of that hashtag, I tell you. <laughs> the wildest thing to happen is everyone agreeing, yes, we will tag spoilers because we are kind of considerate. I don't know. And it, it's, it's crazy that I haven't seen that like adapted to other, like, I don't know, Spidey spoilers or uh, Bat spoilers. Star uh, Wars. SW spoilers. <laughs> I swear, like, here's the thing. I don't watch The Mandalorian, but I pretty much have a vibe of what happened in every episode of The Mandalorian season two because I checked Twitter on Friday morning at 6 a.m. because I woke up and I was like, oh, this is this is what's happening with Baby Yoda and his crazy crew. <laughs> I mean, by Christmas dinner, everyone had seen Wonder Woman, even though not everyone had seen Wonder Woman. I have not been on Twitter because I don't want to be spoiled until I watch the movie the next day or so. You are so much better off. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a bad website. That's the thing. I, I, I have legitimately learned that social media is really, especially Twitter, is very good for meeting people. It's very bad for knowing people and developing a community and friendships and things like that. Uh, which is why I have pulled back from that and mostly focus on smaller, more local uh, things like slacks and discords and stuff. Uh, largely because I'm a curmudgeon and I have all my friends that I need for the rest of my life. And I don't want to make new ones. That seems like a lot of work. <laughs> Preaching to the choir. It's fine. There's plenty of nice people out there. That's great. I don't want to be their friend. Uh, so with, with everything that was, you know, sort of building over time, especially, you know, Hawks Pox talks, you know, and then leading into sort of the expansion to when, you know, you were, you were, you started having like the Dawn of X books, you know, right. covered. Um, how did all that kind of, you're an editor at this point, you know, how, yeah, how did that, how did all that one. kind of sharpen your, your skills as, as an editor? Uh, poorly. So here's, here's the thing, and Dan, you will, you will be able to uh, cop to this. We have uh, four, including myself, four named editors on the site. Mm -hmm. uh, you, me, Chris, and then Charlie Davis. Uh, also on the site are several real editors, like for work or mm -hmm. Harvard or things, uh, which means that my editorial is very much focused on, okay, can I help 
hammer a piece into something that's good or help someone get through a rough patch in writing and less about, hey, does a comma go here? Because I don't know. I, I, I have seen the log of things on our site when I say, oh, Dan went into this article I posted earlier today and fixed like eight things that were just bothering him when he read it. That's fine. And I'm glad, I'm glad you exist for that uh, and for being a great editor and all this other stuff that you do. But it hasn't helped any of those skills. What it has helped is relationship management, project management, because, you know, like in my, in my day job, I am in, I was in engineering and I've recently transitioned into outside sales, uh, which project management and communication are the two biggest things you have to do with any of that. Uh, so those, those are two things I push. Like I will tell every one of my writers, I don't care if your piece is late. I don't care if something came up. This is a comics website that is very, very low anything who cares? But just like, let me know. Don't don't leave me in the dark. That's fine. It's fine. Whatever you do, just be like, hey, I had a thing come up. I can't do this. And I'll say, fine. Okay. What? Who's going to care that we're not talking about the latest thing that Cable's up to? Like, there's going to be a few people, but if it's a couple days late, whatever. Uh, but communication, doing what you say, and helping people work out things. Because we've I think we've taken a stance as a site that we're willing to get a little more personal on things than some other sites would. We are not like, we don't call our reviews reviews. Uh, and I don't really think they are reviews in so much as they are just discussions about things. Uh, but that has very intentionally been about fostering individual personalities and voices and what comes with having a named voice and personality with someone is saying, hey, you're going to get to know this person, all the good side and a lot of the bad side. And it's tough to write about some of that vulnerability, write about some things that are personally impacting you. Because like, especially when someone's consistently reading the same authors, uh, you get to learn a little bit more about people than you might necessarily at a different site that's very focused on a more traditional review and there's good and bad that come with that don't get i'm not i'm not dissing uh, other ways of criticizing or talking about stuff this is just the way that we've chosen because frankly a lot of other people are doing those other ways so you could you could get that content from incredibly talented writers elsewhere and we were just trying to push on the different but there's there's a lot of crisis management that comes with that also because it's it started as my group of friends uh i want to say about half the site has some sort of medically diagnosed anxiety uh which is very i do too so i'm not i'm not bashing that except for the fact that there is a lot of no i promise you you're actually very talented and you just feel bad right now i i would tell you if you sucked uh but that's what I've had to learn as an editor. Very, very much not the copy editing side, which I'm terrible at, and I'm sorry. I'm not going to get better. I, I, I can promise you. It's just, it's not in the cards. I was terrible at this all through my life. I'm not going to get better at that. But what I can promise is that uh, I have definitely improved in helping people get their point across and helping people come up with a piece that is going to be different than you can get at a lot of other comics places so if you want uh 
if you want a mix of reviews and like, hey, personally, this meet this is important because of reasons X, Y, and Z to me, then you're gonna find that at Comics XF, and it's gonna be cool because there's a lot of we've got we have a good group of folks from a lot of different viewpoints. I, I'm not gonna pretend like we don't have areas that we could improve in terms of diversity, but I am proud that we don't have a staff of all cis straight white dudes. Like we've got a lot of different viewpoints enough mm -hmm. that we can, we can cover, we can have multiple people cover something from a different angle and it, it all works and feels good. Uh, so yeah, we, we, we're just a little twisted, a little different than your normal comic site. Um, Generally, what are you what are you looking for? You know, when you're when you're looking for new writers, you know, what do you look for in a writer? That's a that's a good question because uh, I'm weird about it. Uh, <laughs> for me, there's a couple of a couple of big things. One, uh, ability to say and do, uh, ability to actually hit deadlines and targets. Like that that's key. All of us are doing this in our spare time. This isn't anyone's job. So like. I understand if you if you can't hit something, but communicating what you are able to do, not biting off too much, that's a big thing. Uh, on top of that, a voice. I I am very very much about not not having you know like checking off all the boxes of we have we have you know someone like this, someone like this, someone like this, but having a person who has a voice. We have people who are very academic focused. Uh, I'm I'm gonna pick on uh, Andrea Ayer. She's one of our writers. She's one of my personal favorite. Uh, comics writers, she's one of the first people we brought in after the initial wave that was just mostly uh, by friends. <laughs> uh, and she has a very academic approach to things. She has footnotes, which I love, except for that I have to format them. Uh, but like she has, she has a very you know pointed way of viewing things as opposed to uh, someone like uh, I'll, I'll pick on my friend, Charlie Davis. Charlie is emotion and id mm -hmm. and pure, like unbridled energy for a topic. He knows exactly what he's going for and just wears that heart on his, uh, on his sleeves and pours it all out there. Mm -hmm. And that's great. I love that we have different approaches and we have anywhere in the middle of those. We have people who are writing goofy things. We have people who are writing stone cold serious things but what's important is that i know their voice like i know i know if i've got will writing something i know what he's going to bring to the table versus someone like myself or you dan or mm -hmm. anyone like i i know where people fit in and what they can bring to it and that's something that we've intentionally pushed because i think i think there's value in having that connection of not just being a name on a byline, but saying like, okay, I know that this is a Dan Grote article and that means it's going to have, it's going to be kind of like this. Or I know that it's going to be a Zach Jenkins article, which means he's probably going to make jokes that you're not sure if he's serious or not and neither is he. And you're just going to have to ride with it. Uh, but yeah, so getting a specific voice, saying what you are going to do in doing what you say. Uh, and I think, I think the other thing is just having a, a passion for what you're doing. We had a lot of people when we did our initial waves of pulling in riders, which we've 
pulled away from a bit just because we've got a lot now and we can mm-hmm. we we have we have more we have more content that we could cover than we can support uh editorially mm-hmm. which is a great problem to have that's exactly where you want to be because then you can start to pick and choose what's going to be the best uh from everything but uh the the big thing there was uh a certain sense of quality in what was being written and having a specific perspective on things like there's a, there's a passion to, Hey, I want to write about this because of this. Uh, And that just like being able to write good is helpful only because again, it's not our day job. Uh, So the less editing I have to do, the happier I am. Uh, because again, it's a lot of work sometimes and it's, it's, it's challenging. There's, there's some people I know who are very good at fostering new talent and helping develop that. Mm. And that's for me, that's, that's not a skill set I have. I'm not a, I'm not a teacher mindset kind of person. I just never, mm-hmm. I never have been And incredibly blessed that on our staff, we have several people who are, but it's hard. It's hard for me to look at someone who's, not done it and say, Oh yeah, I want to bring you in. You gotta have, you gotta have something to show. And luckily it's the internet. So starting a blog is literally the easiest thing possible to do. Mm-hmm. Just write like five bad things just to show that you can do it and then figure out like, okay, of those things, what did you like about what you wrote? What did you like? And what can you, what can you push uh, moving forward? That can be your thing. I think there's, I think there is a lot of, generic uh personalities out there when it comes to writing uh just just because you you don't know what you're doing so you're going to emulate what you see from other people and there's people who aren't as comfortable finding their own voice in things but Mm -hmm. what resonates most to me is when like i have a connection with the writer of of a piece i know that it's going to be of high quality stuff and that may not be the best for like seo or the best for uh, you know just cranking out a very a very objective news article, but it's the stuff that editorially I like to read. So, and I I I think that especially when you're a small scrappy little site like ours, you gotta you gotta have a uh, you gotta have a niche, you gotta have a pitch, you gotta have a gimmick, just to say, hey, this is what we are and why we're different and why you should care about us. Because, so what? Marvel sends out a press release. It doesn't matter how quickly I hit refresh on my inbox. Newsrama, CBR, comic book, they all have that up. Because mm-hmm. they, they have people who are there to do that all the time. And I'm like, oh, I just got this email in between like 20 other things at work. I'll take five minutes and fill this up. So you got to find something that's different. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to be reviewing stuff. What makes your reviews worth reading versus somebody else? What makes your opinions matter? It's hard to hear someone say, yeah, but why should I care about you? But that's in anything where you have an audience, that's the question your audience is asking every single day. Every single click is, why should I care about this? And you have to have an answer. And I can tell you through writing and podcasting, the number of people that I have asked that question to just, you know, very politely, like, what what's your angle on this why why should someone care they don't have an answer for it and that's that to me says you haven't thought through why you're doing this yet and you should take a second and step back and say 
why, what do I want to achieve here? What do I want to do? Why should someone care? And if you can figure that out, you're going to have a lot more success than just kind of sitting around like, I think Spider-Man's nifty. <laughs> um, so when you, when you think about what the site, when you think about what you want it to be, are there a couple of pieces that stand out to you that you've you know, published, written, edited, whatever, that make you say, yes, this is us. This is, this is Comics XF. Sure. Uh, for me personally, I'm, and I'm going to just pick on myself here uh, because other people have written some fantastic things. Uh, but I, I wrote a piece back in uh, February about uh, No One's Rose, uh, number mm-hmm. one. I got, I got a copy of that a little early, Zach Thompson's uh, and Emily Horn with Alberto Albuquerque on, uh, on lines, and I'm blanking on the colorist name. Uh, please excuse me on that. Uh, it's Raul Angulo. It is. It's, it absolutely is with Hostu in the letters. It came yep. out from Vault. And I wrote a oddly personal piece about that, and I felt the need to tie it into uh, X-Men because that was the site's brand. And I, I, I remember, because that, that comic hit me very hard. Uh, and it's still, like, I put it on our list as my favorite comic of uh, 2020. It, mm-hmm. it was the one that really worked for me. And I was thinking the whole time, okay, there's something here. How do I take a comic that I care about and make it work for my own website? And then, because I was faced with that with other people. They were like, hey, I really, I'm really excited about this book coming out from Image or this book coming out from Aftershock. And I was like, okay, how do we, how do we write about that in a way that makes sense for what we're doing? Mm-hmm. And then we did. We just decided, let's just, let's just change what we're doing. Uh, and that, that's only possible because we brought in uh, a Mr. Dan Grote to make that happen. <laughs> but uh, that, was, that was one that really stood out to be uh, – We've done some really good coverage uh, that I haven't been a part of, of like Giga was one that I think has been really stellar. Uh, we've done some similar stuff to what we do with all the other books with uh, We Only Find Them When They're Dead, uh, the Al Ewing book that is, it has a lot to unpack. And that, that's what makes for an interesting one of these, uh, these kind of diegetic uh, articles that we do. Well, diegetic is the wrong word, but who cares? <laughs> uh, the ones with the dialogue in the backs and forths and the conversation. It sounds smart. That's all that it does. It does. I just know that diegetics, are, it's like when music is being heard by the person in the story and that's the music that you're actually, it just doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I'm, I am not that guy in your MFA. I, again, went to school for engineering and business. So these specific words, I am just pulling from uh, reading a bunch of criticism. Uh, but those pieces have been great. Uh, I did a piece in the summer during the pandemic about uh, the publishing schedule that Marvel had and how it had uh, disproportionately impacted uh, anyone who wasn't a cis straight white dude uh, in the reasons why that happened. And that, that was, that was less about, Oh, I bet they have an agenda against all these things. It was just, no, you, you foster a specific culture in a company for 50 years, even when you're trying to write that ship, uh, you come down to those hard business decisions and this is what you end up with for good or in this case, bad. Uh, so that kind of, that kind of mix of personal stuff, attention to specific details and trying to 
not just take the assumption of what you think happened, but really understand and get into the mindset of the decision makers and put out something that, you know, you think happened or, you know, ex- try and explain something a different way. Look from it, look at it from a different angle, even if it's an angle you don't like uh, trying to sort that out and then stuff you're, you're covering stuff that we're passionate about and we like that's, that's the big thing for me. Again, if people are doing this as a hobby, at least let them talk about things that you like. And if you've got a platform where you can say, Hey, y'all go check out department of truth. It rules because we care about it and we like it. Then I want to use that platform to do that. Like I know, I know Dan knows that it's coming that I'm going to be talking about a side Jimbo constantly. Uh, now that I'm all caught up and I'm doing that because it's my website and I care about it. And not that Stan Sakai needs my money because he's got that residual THP Ninja Turtle money uh, coming because he made good decisions in the eighties. But, but like, I'm looking at like this comic rules. I love it. I want other people to know that I love it. And that's, that's what we're doing. I know we came up with the name comics XF and then we backed into uh, something that, uh, one of our friends, Emily Harden, came up with, which was a video that was going Comics X, all of these other things. Like comics crossed with, you know, uh, possums and music and art and being a parent and all of these different topics. Uh, and not that Comics XF means anything because I'm just going to lie about what the X and the F stand for until the end of time because I it's fun for me. Uh, actually pronounced 10 yeah it's 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 comics 10th which is a you you are the charles xavier no that x-men that x doesn't mean xavier well you see you you see actually it's it's inspired by the manga hunter hunter uh where the x is actually silent which is why in the logo it's negative space if you get that it's a whole whole thing we definitely planned and have not just been making jokes about for a couple of months uh, but no, like the big thing is it's comics focused because that's what we're all here for, but it's mixed with our other passions and the other stuff. And I feel like if you've got quality writers who are writing stuff that they are passionate about, you're going to find an audience who is passionate about that stuff too. And that's, that's just what we're looking for. You want, you want to find stuff that people are excited about and you want to be excited with them then go check that out. And that doesn't mean we're not going to criticize things or we're not going to point out, hey, we don't like this. There's there's comics that I've enjoyed, but there were parts that bugged me enough that I had to write about it and say, hey, it's it's unfortunate. I, I had to give a negative review to a Hellboy comic and that made me sad. <laughs> uh, but it, it's only because I was passionate about that comic and I was disappointed in things and I'm not going to pull punches on that front. But I'm not. I'm not going to write something that I don't care about either. Like, if I'm if if I have any of any of my staff doing anything, it's either because a they owe me a favor, or b and this is more likely they were excited and energized and wanted to talk about this thing. The only reason we're covering King in Black, for example, is because we got guys who are real into Venom. Uh, <laughs> we got we got folks who really wanted to talk about Venom, so we said, yeah, let's talk about King in Black. Let's do this thing. And they they criticize where they need to, and they praise where they need to, and that's what that's what you should be. I don't want to say fair and balanced because some very bad people destroyed that phrase in all meaning, uh, but like that's what you want to provide is something that says, hey, let's take the work, accept it where it's at, and like 
be reasonable at it. Don't be jerks about it. But like, be a little bit jerks if it's funny. I'm not going to, I can't even pretend like I have not, I'm not going to pretend like I didn't just write a big thing about a comic to set to Twas the Night Before Christmas where I do take uh, jokey barbs at certain people. But, you know, like, go to the work and try and understand what it's doing and try and approach it at that level. Try and meet the work where it's at and be excited about it, whether good or bad. That's, that's what we want to do. And I think we've put out a lot of pieces over the last year. I've not done a count of how many things we put out in 2020. I think it will impress and upset me in equal measure. Uh, but I mean, that's all, that's all you got to do is put out, put out the stuff and, care about it and you'll you'll figure it out you do a little bit of marketing savvy on top of that but that's the that's the gravy that's Uh, the that's the you're five years in and realize that your website only caters to people who are interested in x-men and you've stopped writing about only x-men well we've we've got quite a few twitter questions so uh let's let's get into those uh ryan o'connell asks uh, I think one huge strength of, of XF, now CXF, uh, is a willingness to actually critique the art aspect of a comic rather than just nitpicking the story. Uh, how important is that to you as an editor? And how do you see Comics XF continuing that? So there's two things that. One, that's really nice to hear because that's like my biggest thing in my mind is, hey, we, we have to make sure we're focusing on the art because it's easy to focus on the story. One, very few of us on our team are artists. We have, we have several artists who do it, none of which do a ton of sequential work. But even then, we, most of us are writers by either trade or hobby, which means we don't, we, we can, we are exposed to stories enough that we have the language and the tools to, to critique a story choice uh, a lot easier than we have to critique art and sequential storytelling using, you know, art like comics. It's a big challenge, and it's something that I, I try and be cognizant of and push and fail often. Uh, but keeping that in mind and keeping that as a focus of y'all, like, especially, it's easy with X-Men because X-Men has some of the best artists mm. in the game right now, which is wild. So you can just be, like, excited about, hey, Guys, did you see what Josh Kassara just did? Because it rules. Uh, so I send think, some of that over the bat way, please. Listen, <laughs> listen. Who's doing? Who's doing Batman? Is that uh, Jorge Jimenez? Well, the problem is Jorge Jimenez is the technically the regular writer, but Batman double ships every month. Yeah, so you're he does that. an arc, and then the next like four issues are two or three artists per issue one of whom is usually guillaume march uh yeah ba- batman's having 90s x-men problems right yeah now. really is yeah really is yeah uh well that that's that's a thing though like people get excited about art uh if there's stellar art like i have i have a lot of criticisms of the current run of venom what i won't criticize is the fact that ryan stegman's art energized people and got them excited in a way that doesn't actually hit me. Like I don't, his art is not stuff that I love personally. It's just not my style and that's fine. But he got folks excited about the art in a comic. That's big. Mm-hmm. If you look, you can look at guys like uh, Juan Cabal on guardians of the galaxy right now. He was a, he was a good hand. He was a workhorse. Mm-hmm. He was, he was putting out 
solid stuff, but nothing that was blowing the minds of people. And he needed to get paired with a writer who was writing to his specific strengths in a story that he was passionate about with Guardians of the Galaxy. And now you've got like people praising him like, whoa, look at what he's doing. It's so cool. So I think having good artists uh, is the big thing because we cover a lot of books with good artists. Uh, and moving forward, I think it's just, it's a continued push on that. We've been talking about ways to highlight art more, especially with stuff like, and I'm, I'm sure you know this from the interviewing side. It's a heck of a lot easier to interview a writer than an artist, mostly because the writer is there for every issue and like is the through line where even if an artist is a co-creator on a book and all this stuff, if they are drawing on a regular schedule and they want that book to come out monthly, you're not going to get the kind of quality art that's expected in a direct market comic on a monthly schedule from any artist. It's just 20 pages is a heck of a lot of work mm -hmm. when they have to live a life on top of that. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's well past the days of Jack Kirby being able to crank out a billion comics in a month. It's just, we can't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it was, here's, here's the spoiler. Jack was a incredibly crazy workhorse and also was deeply overworked at the time because rates were bad. Yep. Uh, so it wasn't actually all sunshine and roses back then either. Uh, but I think I think you know it's easier it's easier to talk to a writer because they have that consistency, where art is it's something you have to work to cover. And I'm not going to call myself an art critic by any means. I can't draw to save my life. I can I can tell how an art choice impacts the sequential storytelling because I have spent a lot of time considering that myself and learning that and trying to think in those terms. Uh, and that's that if you want if you want to cover art that's what you that's what you got to do is just try and learn the best you can in the language and accept that maybe sometimes you're not going to know uh what's going on there's there's a lot to it uh but you just got to focus on it it's got to be a thing and mm -hmm. moving forward it's going to be it's going to be a thing we consistently focus on and care about um, our uh our CXF uh, co-worker, Robert Secundus, asks, what is your favorite work of criticism outside the site? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I love, there's, there's a handful of them, uh, and I don't want to play favorites, but I love the stuff that uh, uh, Wawak uh, is doing over there, Women Write About Comics. I think they put out some excellent stuff. I am biased that several members of their editorial team also cross over with uh, Comics XF, but I think with Nola and Corey and Kaylee and Wendy and that whole team over there, they won the Eisner uh, this last year and it was well-deserved and overdue because uh, they've been putting out uh, some fantastic, very thoughtful work uh, that is in concert with what we do at uh, CXF. Uh, it's not the same thing. Obviously uh, their, their big angle is uh, it's women writing about comics uh, which is which is a big and important thing, and there needs to be a specific place for that to highlight those voices. Because again, I'm a I'm a dude I'm a white dude. I can't friggin' I can't elevate those voices because I as much because I don't understand them. I don't have those same lived experiences. Uh, so it's great that there is a place for that. Uh, other stuff that I love, uh, sketched uh, David Harper's uh, site. He puts out some fantastic analysis. Again, 
went to business school, big uh, nerd when it comes to the, those kind of data points and analytics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so big fan of the stuff he's doing over there. Uh, and then uh, what Steve Morse is doing over on Shelf Dust, it, if you haven't checked that out, it's a small site, looking a lot at uh, kind of the backlist of comics, looking at just stuff that's it's not new, and that's fine, because he's just talking about all weird stuff, and I love it. Uh, those are those are the ones that really stand out to me. Like that's that's on my uh, if I see see a link come across my Twitter feed that I'm on too much, I'm like, yes, I'm clicking on that one and going to spend five minutes. That reminds me, I owe Steve one thousand words about Pete Wisdom. <laughs> oh my gosh, I owed Steve a lot. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, I was I was bored one day, and Steve was like, "Who wants to talk about Infinite Crisis?" And I said, "I don't read." many jeff johns comics and i've not read that one and i said but i will pretend like i know things about dc and come up with a piece for you and then he took me up on that and then i had to write a thousand words about rat catcher the batman villain ah, guys at the beginning oh yeah god oh poor rat catcher i came up with a great angle for that one honestly i'm super proud for not reading anything but that one page of infinite crisis i feel like i put out some pretty good infinite crisis criticism ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, um so i'm gonna call this a twitter question but i wrote it uh and i'm asking oh, it anyway oh dan ah uh, i stand by it uh if the CXF staff were the cast of the Fast and the Furious movies, uh, who is its Dominic Toretto? And who are its Hobbs and Shaw? Okay, so here's the, uh, here's the very, very true truth. I ain't watched but the first Fast and Furious. Uh, everyone keeps talking about them. And I'm going to be honest, it seems like a lot of work. It seems like a lot to get through. Thank you. Because all I've seen is Hobbs and Shaw. I haven't seen any of the others because that had Idris Elba, and I will see anything with Idris Elba. Everyone tells me like, yeah, by movie five it gets great, and it's like, whoa, whoa, slow your roll. That's four bad movies. I don't want to watch four bad movies. And I watched the first one, and I'm still very confused how they are flying out of skyscrapers now. It's wild. I do believe the Dominic Toretto is the man. He's the man who likes the Corona beer. <laughs> yes okay so he talks about family a lot yes um, i'm gonna say that dominic toretto is uh christy edelman who <laughs> is our uh who is our overlord and dead mother and legitimately one of the kindest people i've known uh we just had a big uh zoom call where we said nice things about her for her birthday so i'm not going to say any more uh but yeah dominic toretto she can be her uh which is Hobbs the Rock or is Hobbs Jason Statham? I watched that move for Idris Elba. I don't remember who anybody else is. Okay. I know I, that those I think are... Hobbs is the Rock and Shaw is Statham. That sounds right. So Statham is going to be uh, more cynical, more angry and snippy. I'm going to call uh, Zach Rabaroff, uh, the the. I'm going to say Shaw, but I may be wrong of this group. Okay. Uh and then who's the most the rock uh very high energy very uh cory cory mccreary is the rock on this uh she's very very uh excitable and fighty yes yeah no I think if you that, if you ever works. if you ever see a bad tweet on comics uh twitter she will be there say like hey you want to go to denny's and fight this out it's great <laughs> 
Uh, yes. Um, okay. And then one more in this vein. Uh, this one comes from noted podcast question asker Asimov underscore fangirl. Oh, I love her. She's great. Uh, if you and three of the comics XF writers were transported to the world of Fire Emblem Three Houses, uh, and, and this is something I know nothing about. Just <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, to take Byleth and the house leaders' roles, who would you take, and what role would each of the others take? Okay, so I feel like just by necessity of being editor in chief, publisher, whatever, I have to be Byleth, which is not placing myself as the protagonist because, frankly, Byleth is among the least interesting characters in Fire Emblem Three Houses, being the, uh, you know, essentially player avatar. Uh, but Byleth is very fun to play as in Smash Bros, regardless of what anyone says, if they deserve to spot or not, uh, which I think they do because they make, they make for a really fun, distant, powerful player. Uh, so I'm going to take the role of Byleth in this one. Uh, but that gets, us, that gets us three very interesting places. So we got to start out with the best house, which is the Golden Deer. And that is where Claude... Uh, Claude resigns as house leader. Uh, Claude is uh, a trickster. Uh, he is he is always looking to have fun with things, but always also trying to make sure that everyone is not fighting and having a good time. Um, I'm going to say that Claude is going to be Chris Edelman. No, no, I take that back. It's Liz Large. Uh, okay. It's Liz because Liz will do goofs and gags and guafs uh, and bits and really commit to them. Uh, but she always just wants everyone to get along and she's nice and she would never bully anyone. And no one should bully Liz and no one should bully Claude from Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, so that's important. Uh, the next, next down the list, if we go to the next best house, which is the Black Eagles, you got Edelgard, who does want to attack and dethrone God. Uh, <laughs> Listen, she has her reasons. Uh, she does. She starts a little civil war. Spoilers for that game. Uh, it's, that part's rough. Uh, but Edelgard is self-righteous in a good way and knows what the truth of the matter is and will stop at nothing to get it. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that over to uh, Nola Fow. Uh, who is the editor-in-chief of Women Write About Comics. Uh, she, she can be Edelgard. Also, I think Nola would have a very large axe. Uh, I think that would, that would really, really suit her personality. Uh, and then that gets us down to Dimitri. Uh, Dimitri. Dimitri starts out as what everyone hates about Cyclops. And then, uh, then it turns out he has a lot of trauma and then like legit goes nuts. And like angry and murdery. So Cyclops. Yes, but worse. It's like <laughs> it's like if Cyclops killed anyone but Professor Xavier. Okay. He 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 does he does have a uh, a lot of angst and a lot of energy to him, and I think Allison would want to uh, be one with uh, be one with Dimitri, if not just for the fact that he's. He's not a himbo, but he is blonde and he has an eye patch, and that always that always connects well with the exact things that she likes. Uh, but I'd say if we've got someone who is going to be like, who's who's a little ball of energy that does want to uh, like is going to crack one day? Vishal. Uh, okay, it's Vishal Gulapali. 
I love Vishal. I've known him for friggin' years at this point. Uh, and I think, I think he, he has the most calm guy energy, but like with seething rage. Like if you've read, he wrote an incredible thing for AIPT about uh, Undiscovered Country. And mm-hmm. I say rage as in like, you could say it as like the nostalgia critic kind of bad way that we decided to talk about media. But really it's just like, hey, this is bad and you should hear about why it's bad. Uh, him and Ratish Babu also did an incredible, incredible thing about uh, different interpretations of Watchmen uh, vis-a-vis uh, Doomsday Clock, the Watchmen TV show, and Peter Cannon Thunderbolt that came out last year. Uh, absolutely one of my favorite pieces of comics criticism. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to say that. that those, are, those are my three houses. Okay. Um, final, final question. Uh, if you could change one thing about fandom culture, what would it be? Everyone chill. <laughs> I'm not joking. Listen, I've been there. I've been, I was one of you. I was there. I was there. Chill. There's, there are, there are bad actors and there are, there are people who are actively harming people in the comics industry. I will make no no exceptions on that. I, I, I know that's true. I've dealt with it. I've seen it. I've seen it happen to friends. There are also people who are trying to help who are constrained within the system of how comics as a business and as a culture operates. And there are, there are fans who will either pin all of their hopes in dreams on a single person being able to overcome a mountain of bureaucracy put in place by the Walt Disney Corporation or AT&T in uh, hoping that this one freelancer can change the world uh, and they and being upset when no matter what they do it's a uh, it's a half measure it's not where they need to be and I I am very empathetic to that because it's tough i also know that there are people who are trying their hardest to make comics better and taking a moment to accept and understand that not everyone is your enemy and not everyone is trying to destroy this thing and there are people who are actively working towards a better world for comics i think that's one of the most important things that you can do as a as a fan because comics comics is different than almost any other industry it's the industry that has spider-man but in a very different way that freaking who's the kid who's playing spider-man nowadays andrew Uh, garfield tom holland Holland, whatever (laughs) tom holland's never never going to ever hear your opinion tom holland ain't gonna care kevin feige does not even care about what your thoughts on Spider-Man are. And Spider-Man's a bad example because I don't like Nick Spencer. But like a Spider-Man writer <laughs> who is it, Nick Spencer? Chip Zdarsky three years ago. Chip Zdarsky three years ago could easily be impacted by what you're saying and doing. And you don't know the full story behind why certain decisions were or weren't made. You don't know how much an author or an editor was fighting for something and lost. And at the end of the day, I always look at it in comics. Comics doesn't pay that well, folks. Like, I'm sorry to tell you, it sucks. 
bucks. Comics doesn't pay that well. There aren't a lot of millionaires who came out of writing comics, especially not in 2020. Uh, so just understand that if someone was like at your day job and writing, you know, 2000 word reviews of everything that you put out, maybe that would be like weird. And just like understand that people are people. And just kind of like vibe with it. Like there's, there's bad and there's people who are doing bad things and they deserve to be called out and they deserve to, we deserve to have a better comics than that. But there's also a heck of a lot of people who are doing their best and being aware of that and taking a second to uh, think, Hey, maybe, maybe someone's doing something okay and giving them the benefit of the doubt that they are, if they've seemed like they're a decent person, they might just be. Cause there's a lot of fantastic people in comics and I see a lot of I see a lot of stuff thrown at people who don't deserve it, and it's it's challenging to want to be part of a fandom that can do that uh, when that's when like not positivity for the sake of ignoring anything bad, but positivity for the sake of understanding that there's people who are out there doing the work, like un- understanding how those two things can interact and there can be like you can you can criticize one thing without destroying everything i don't know i think i think people just like generally are more chill about most things it one you'll be happier and two it'll make more of an impact when you say hey this is the thing that's bad and we should not be okay with so that's just where i'm at but again my position is a different one than a lot of people. So I, I get it. I don't, I don't hold anything against folks. Well, this is is kind of a good note to wind down on. Uh, Let's pretend it's a week from when we're recording. Uh, Comics XF exists. How can people find all this, all this good stuff that's happening? Oh, you can find us a lot of places. There's a Facebook page for Comics XF that you can go to. There's a Twitter at Comics XF, ComicsXF.com. We've got, uh, I know I've talked a lot about community and finding a group of people. We have a Discord server that we have launched uh, that is, I assume, a great place with a lot of really cool people. Uh, It's me and and like three other people right now as we have not publicly launched it and no one knows the URL. Uh, but you know that that we can we have links on the site to go Instagram we post some stuff, uh, but that those are the those are the big places. Uh, if you like me personally, I I mostly run the Comics XF uh, Twitter page, and then also I've got a podcast that we host on the site called Battle of the Atom that is nice and fun. All right, Zach, thanks for coming on the show. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is now part of Comics XF formerly Xavier Files, meaning you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom and Chris's on Infinite Earths, and a ton of great comics criticism at ComicsXF.com. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail for my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from Toxman at ComicsXF.com, 
Carla Pacheco from Marvel Spider-Woman series, and Lan M from Lan's Vids. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember to spay and neuter your good night and good luck. WMQA.